today on CityCast Salt Lake. If you live in Salt Lake, you've almost certainly witnessed or participated in a land acknowledgement. It's become a ritual to acknowledge that the land we're living on is stolen by force from indigenous people. Sometimes one person gives the land acknowledgement on behalf of a group. Other times, say in a Zoom meeting, everyone gives one before introducing themselves and their location. Hey, I'll say it. Mine at times have been ineloquent and unsatisfactory. Which is a trend my guest today, Dr. Len Nassifer, has picked up on. He's the founder of Natives Outdoors, and he wrote a piece for Outside Magazine reflecting on the emerging popularity of land acknowledgements and how we can do them better. It's Thursday, February 3rd, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. Thanks for being on CityCast Salt Lake. Yeah. So you wrote in Outside Magazine that you were once a super vocal proponent of land acknowledgements. You were kind of at the forefront of encouraging specifically the outdoor rec industry to integrate them into their practices. But your perspective has really changed. I think there was a few instances in which it started to feel perfunctory, like people were just doing it to do it, but really didn't understand the words that were coming out of their mouth. And I think that's the moment where I was like, oh, there's got to be a better way. There has We have to rethink about what we're doing and why we're doing it. The thing you point out in this piece about them that I think you're getting at is just that they lack nuance. Mm -hmm. And that it seems like the lack of nuance is sort of, I don't want to, almost like insulting. Like, it's Mm -hmm. like, if you're not going to be nuanced in considering this history, why do the land acknowledgement at all? Totally. One of the ways that you started giving land acknowledgements or thinking about them is by telling a story. I think where I try to reframe it is thinking about the places in which we live, like, who are the people? Where are they today? What are their sort of perspectives on, you know, I'm, you know, in, for example, in Salt Lake, the Goshute and the U people and the many other peoples that have transited through there, like, they are still around and telling a story about who they are and where they are today. Um, so, you know, the reservations throughout Utah and Colorado and Wyoming that have these descendants and you know, they have wide and varying histories. I guess it really depends on the audience. What is the sort of nugget of that history or their story that could inspire future learning is almost feels like the, the, like in place of a land acknowledgement and that sort of listing of names is what might inspire people to dig a little deeper. The sort of land acknowledgement in quotes that I think we're talking about here is specifically a non-Native person saying, I'm in this, for example, I'm in Salt Lake City, the ancestral homeland of the Ute, Goshute, Paiute, forcibly stolen land. How does it make you feel when a non-Native person says that they're on stolen land? (laughs) Does Uh, it enrage you? Like, No, I mean, you can't, it's, you know, it's, we don't, we personally didn't involve ourselves in that history. (laughs) And if it was like General Custer given a land acknowledgement, I think that would be a little bit different, but. Right. You know, I, but I think it's, it's sort of this, it almost reflects uh, a, a lack of deeper understanding, I would say, not to no one's fault because these things are taught in schools. And when it is taught, it's often, you know, taught poorly about indigenous history. So it's like, if someone doesn't understand why that might come off a little wrong, then maybe that's an opportunity to say, Hey, like, here's another way to look at it. But yeah, it can be like, I, I think it's like the, um, 
I kind of get an amusement from the cringiness of some of them. <laughs> like I personally like find it fun uh, because that's kind of my style of humor. And I think that's that's been really amusing for me is just to turn it into something like, well, we got a lot of work to do, but also this is really awkward. Yeah. <laughs> the land acknowledgement is the acknowledgement that the land was taken from Native people. Yeah. So you would think that the natural progression then would be talking about returning the land, the land back movement. Yeah. But like, no one's talking about land back nearly as much as they're doing land acknowledgements right now. Like, it does feel like something that we're really clinging to. The The digital land acknowledgement totally. has become very real. And I know it's something you've done away with at Natives Outdoors. Yeah, totally. I was just thinking of, like, what would a land acknowledgement look like in the metaverse? It's like, <laughs> oh, God. Oh. oh, no. I think at its core, you know, people want to do good by this history to, to try to right these wrong historical wrongs by doing the land acknowledgements, but almost like the, the issue around it is so enormous and so challenging. I think it becomes, it, it, you know, it's like, where do you start? And I think that's a valid question. It's like, you know, I, I've, I've come to the sort of peace in my own, <laughs> in my own life that, um, Land dispossession occurred before me and it will continue to exist after me. But if there's ways in which in my own work, I can sort of shift that towards rectifying some of those historical wrongs, then that's the most that I can do. And I think in terms of like that broader view of like, maybe that's the first step towards making that change or understanding that broader history. And I think that's good. But if that's all where it stops, then I would say uh, that there's a little bit more than that. Is the cringiness important like does it have a role to play in this learning or this unlearning because <laughs> like, it's not going anywhere Len. like the cringiness the discomfort it's not going anywhere <laughs> no it's not i've seen people very earnestly give the most cringy land acknowledgements ever <laughs> just like yeah. you know i think there's a, an example i gave in the outside article where i was in a zoom meeting and i tried to poke fun at this like you know, if we were to acknowledge where the servers are located for this particular video call, like, is that not stolen land too? Right. <laughs> and people, it just didn't land because I think everyone is just so tense. I, I don't know. I mean, I think there's, it, it's, it's, it's an, it's a tool. And I think that's kind of where I always come back to it. It's a tool. It like can, it can do certain things and it can not do certain things. And I think we just have to understand its limitation and its power. I mean, if you're, if you're only tools a hammer, everything looks like a nail, right? Isn't that the same? I mean, <laughs> that's about it. I, you've hit it on the head. Exactly. As it were. <laughs> what are some of the tools that you think are real opportunities right now for us to take better action? One of the great things that's sort of happened is that we have a Native woman running the Department of Interior that oversees a massive swath of federal lands. I think the voting really matters because the sort of limits and what the Department of Interior can and can't do is really contingent upon what powers Congress gives it. Yeah. And, you know, that incredibly, ma that matters to us uh, to an incredible degree. Um, and Native peoples only being less than 2% of the population, we have to build coalitions with folks that are very different than us and ensure that maybe somehow that our issues will be taken seriously. That's one is like, I always come back to voting, making sure that you're voting for folks that support indigenous rights, that deal with issues like climate change, that also encourage fighting against voter suppression and stuff like that. That's key. And I would say that's number one. I think the second is what is the education that you've got and like, what are ways in which you can fill it? We have an awesome sort of, um, 
set of curated book lists that uh, a bunch of our team has put together about if you spend time in the outdoors, these are some of the books that you should read to fill in those gaps. Cool. We'll share that. For a lot of people in Salt Lake who know you, they know you as a meme maker. Yeah. We've talked about the cringiness of a lot of this. We've we've laughed quite a bit about something that's pretty serious and I think um, pretty upsetting. Um where does the poking fun come in? Like, because that seems to be a really important part of your storytelling. Totally. In a lot of Native communities, humor is a tool in which it, that's used to sort of break tension. In a, in a number of my left-leaning communities, as with the right-leaning sides of my family, there's a lot of things that you cannot talk about yeah. <laughs> in oh, certain yeah. ways. There's like the, the holy cows and the sacred cows and, and the things mm-hmm. you can't touch. And I think one of the things is that if if there's a way in which you can poke to the sort of inconsistencies or the things that may be a little bit like doesn't make full logical sense in a way that's kind of funny that can it can alienate people for sure, but also just kind of poke to that. I think it can open that dialogue around, hey, like this is something that doesn't make sense in this thing that we're doing. And I think I think one of the things is like that's been humor's been a central part of my identity of being Navajo. And and I think what I've noticed is it's almost like I've been trying to give permission that it's okay to laugh about how insane the world is and how crazy it is because like we as Native people have only made it through all the things that we've been through because of humor. Um, and, and I think it's an incredible tool. And now that we're experiencing massive pandemics, inflation and <laughs> COVID and whatever, it's like, this is great. Like we can laugh at the insanity of it all. We can all laugh at this. I hope a day comes when someone says something really funny in a land acknowledgement that we can all laugh at that doesn't also disrupt like the meaningfulness of it. I I don't know. It might be you. Totally. (laughs) You might be the only one that can do it. I know. I think I'm going to join the metaverse and try to do a land acknowledgement. I'm going to push the limits of this too. (laughs) Len, thank you so much for being here. It's been such a joy um, talking with you and you've been really generous with your time. I appreciate it. Definitely. Thanks for the invite. A few things before we go. The bill we talked about on Tuesday's show to make period products free in all Utah public schools, it passed the House with unanimous support and is headed to the Senate. Also, we're working on a Valentine's Day show about the unique experience of dating in Salt Lake City. I want to hear your absolute worst, most hilarious, or most awkward stories of dating in the Valley. You can email them to me at saltlake.citycast.fm or text them to 801-203-0137. All names will be changed to keep them anonymous, I promise. That's all for us today on CityCast Salt Lake. Our lead producer is Nick Steffens. Our newsletter writer is Madeline McGill. And our host is me, Ali Vallarta. Music is by Mitochondria. Today, I have a very different sign-off for you. See you Monday. Next week, our show becomes a daily. I'll talk to you every day next week and every week thereafter. If you know someone who might like making CityCast Salt Lake a part of their daily routine, now would be an amazing time to tell them about the show. Thank you. Bye.